Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today you'd like to hear more about, make sure to listen to our weekly podcast called Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take Sunday topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's take a listen to this week's message. Amen. Hey, good morning to uh, everybody, NIWAD campus, everybody who's hanging out with us online. Thanks uh, for being here. Again, if you don't know me, my name is Matt, one of the pastors. And today we're jumping into our Christmas series. It's pretty crazy that Christmas literally is right around the corner. I know many of you uh, have been waiting for Christmas um, so much so uh, that I even noticed this year, uh, like you guys are put on Christmas lights even before Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? Um, you're like, I don't even care about Thanksgiving. You're just ready for Christmas. And I don't know if you're like me, uh, but the older I get, and I'm not as old as some of you in the room, but the older I get, uh, it just seems like the more excited I get for Christmas. Like I just, I get up for it a little bit, a little bit more. I love the, the lights outside. I love the decorations inside. I, I look forward to Christmas morning as a dad watching uh, all of the gifts that my girls will be opening. I don't know what it is. I just get a little bit more excited. And as awesome as Christmas is, I know this season too can be really difficult for some. There's something about the Christmas season that tends to bring out or bring to the surface the, the difficulties of our life or, or the challenges of the year. I know that there, there's many in our church this, this Christmas that will be significantly different than last year. Uh, because last year there were folks who were there that this year they won't be there. Uh, some of you ha- had an incredibly difficult year. Some of you have lost a job or a relationship that you are in has ended. And so this Christmas season, you're feeling some of the difficulties and challenges of life. Uh, and maybe you're, you're kind of looking forward to Christmas or, or you're waiting for Christmas, not in the sense of like a, like a child waiting for you know, a present under the tree, but you are waiting for something different. You're waiting for a change or you're waiting for a miracle or you're waiting for, you know, a phone call for, for the job. You're, you're waiting for that call back. You're waiting for this relationship to be healthier. You're waiting for a miracle. You're waiting for something, for something different, for something different. And I think uh, something that's really cool about Christmas is I believe the story of Christmas, it really does have the power to change our lives. But even more specifically than that, this is what we would talk about today. I think Christmas and the story of Christmas is a reminder that God is always working in the seasons when we tend to be waiting. He's always working in our waiting. And that takes a lot of trust in God to actually believe that that's true. And so if you have your Bible, it's gonna be in Luke chapter one. We're gonna read through uh, beginning uh, the, the story of, of Christmas. And Luke, uh, he actually starts out his, his, his book his, uh, of, of talking about who Jesus is, his account of the life of Jesus. Luke actually starts out uh, telling all of us that he has investigated all the stories that have been kind of passed around and handed down. Uh, and he has uh, taken all of that and he has put it in this book And he's decided to write it out in an orderly way so that you may understand more about who God is and hopefully uh, to fall in love with Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this. If you had a goal to write essentially a story about the most famous guy who ever walked this planet, then you've got to start out making a really important decision. You've got to decide where you're going to start the story. 
It's a, it's a big decision. I mean, where are you going to begin? And it's interesting because Luke decides not to begin the story of Jesus with the birth of Jesus. He actually starts out with a story about a birth announcement about a different baby uh, whose name is John. He starts out telling a story about uh, an angel visiting a, a guy named Zechariah. And of, out of all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke is the only one who starts here. And a good question is why? Why would Luke start out with the story of Jesus talking about a whole different story about a different baby? I think the reason why he does it is because it's been 400 years uh, since the last prophecy had been spoken in Israel. Meaning if you, if you look at your Bible, you have an Old Testament, New Testament, last book in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi, that God became silent after the prophet Malachi. Not for a year, not for 10 years, but for 400 years. And now with this story, Luke tells us that the silence has been broken, that God is speaking again. And he starts with the story, again, of a birth announcement about a baby named John. So look at this. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter one, starting in verse five, here's what Luke says. And I love this because he keeps it real. He says this, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. So Luke says, listen, I want you to understand what's happening in the world uh, when this story begins. He, he actually starts out by saying the guy in charge is this guy named Herod, which means everybody who would be reading this would go, things aren't going well. Those are dark days because Herod was not a good king. He, he wasn't a Jew. At best, he was a puppet king for the Roman Empire. Uh, he, the only really like, decent thing he did for God's people was he rebuilt the Jewish temple. But along with that, he built a bunch of other uh, pagan temples as well. He was a paranoid leader. He was power hungry. He was so insecure about his position and his leadership that anybody who he felt threatened his position and power, he had them killed, including, including his own children. Not a good guy leading in some of the darkest days of Israel. Luke continues. So in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, again, there's so much here because, you know, I think Luke starts out with the story of a guy named Zechariah because Zechariah actually means God has remembered again. And this is the theme that Luke is leaning into. God has remembered again. We all have this in common. It's easy to forget the things that God has done for us in the past because we tend to look towards the future and the challenges that we face. We tend to forget that blessing in the past because now we have entered into another difficult season. And Luke begins telling the Christmas story, reminding everybody that our God is a God who never forgets. But after 400 years, God's people are beginning to think that maybe God had forgotten the promises that he made to Abraham. They're beginning to ask questions going, where is this Messiah? Where, where is this one who, who God said he would send to us? I mean, it has been 400 years. And I think Luke starts with this story because Luke knows. Luke knows um, uh, it's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe God. It's one thing to believe in the existence of God. It's another thing to actually believe the words of God. To believe God, even when things don't go the way you think they should. Things 
2,000 years ago in Luke chapter one are not going as the people thought they should. And Luke starts in and he introduces a, a priest to us by the name of Zechariah, whose name means, listen, God has remembered. Again, God has not forgotten you, even if it seems like he has. He keeps going, verse six. Both Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So Luke tells us this couple was devoted to God and God was pleased with them, but there was an, unsol an unsolvable problem that they were facing. They were not able to have children. And in those days, people would consider women who were barren with a sense of reproach because the assumption was that the reason why they couldn't have children because there must be this dark secret. There had to be some you know, secret sin that nobody knew about, but this is not the case with this couple because Luke says these were good people. There was no hidden sin. They were followers of God. They obeyed his commands, but they were old and they were not able to have kids. And I think, I believe that they, this couple actually probably came to a conclusion at some point that they would never have children. And up to this moment, they didn't know why. They had no idea why that would be. And I think all of us can identify with that because all of us have had moments in our life where we don't understand why certain things happen or don't happen. This was a godly couple. They were followers of God. And yet they had prayed for kids for maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And God did not give them children. And I'm guessing from their point of view, they didn't get it. Luke continues, verse eight. There's a big moment in the story here. So once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by a lot or by a drawing, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So this is an incredibly important moment in the story. None of you got hyped up because you're not priests and you don't understand the idea of this holy temple. But here's the thing. In Israel, when, this, when Luke is writing about this story, there were 18,000 priests. And in a given year, only 14 of them were given the privilege of walking into the holy temple and offering incense at the altar. Only 14. And this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, meaning that once your name got picked, you would never get picked again. And the odds of you, of your name being chosen is just about nil. And you didn't receive this honor because, you know, because you earned it or because you were better than the other priests. Literally all the priests' names are in the hat and one name gets picked. This is something that a priest would be thinking about their whole life, that they just may have the opportunity to be the one to be able to walk into the temple and bring the prayers of the people to God through the burning of incense. So this is a big deal for Zechariah. I mean, he has hit like the divine powerball. I mean, he, is, he has got to be hyped up. He's received the news. This is incredible that his name has been chosen to enter into this holy place. Look at verse 10. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying Outside, So this is not a big moment just for Zechariah. This is a big moment for the whole community. He is entering into the temple. There are literally thousands of people surrounding the temple that are waiting to see the smoke of the incense coming out of the temple in which then they would fall to their knees and know that Zechariah has brought the prayers of the people 
to God. I mean, there are thousands of people involved. The whole community, the whole town is like shut down for this moment. It's a big ordeal. Zechariah enters in verse 11. And as he does so, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, if you've grown up in church, you know the Christmas story. You probably don't get too hyped up about, you know, Luke writing about this angel showing up because angels are really synonymous with Christmas as much as like eggnog and candy canes, all right? Just another story, another angel. But listen, this is why this is a big deal. Angels didn't regularly just appear in the temple. In Israel, again, don't forget, they hadn't heard from God in 400 years. So it's this moment after the long silence, suddenly this angel appears who we know, uh, his name is Gabriel. It's the same angel who who showed up uh, 500 years earlier with Daniel. And now this angel is in the presence of this priest named Zechariah. And look what happens, verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, this is what they always say, do not be afraid. Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer, Zachariah, has been heard. Your prayer is what? It's been heard. God has heard your prayer. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. It's a crazy moment. A big moment in the life of Zachariah to be able to enter the temple. Now there's this angel who's telling him that God has heard your prayer. The angel shows up. Zachariah is terrified because in his life, he's never seen an angel. It's understandable. But this angel has a message that's going to change his life. It's going to change his wife's life. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. What prayer? The prayer for a kid, the prayer for a baby, the prayer for a child, the prayer that this couple has been praying for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, the prayer that they probably stopped praying a long time ago, a prayer they haven't thought about in a while because they had come to a conclusion now that they were too old to have children. So that prayer went away. I mean, it's been years since they even thought about it. And in one brief moment, this angel just appears and says to Zechariah, dude, I got great news. And here's the deal. God has heard your prayers. He heard you. Now, I don't know how you would receive that, but I would probably respond very similar how Zechariah does, because he says this in verse 18. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am old and my wife is well along in years. So really what he's saying is, do you expect me to believe this? Do you really expect me to, to think now that we're going to have a baby? I mean, I'm old. My wife is old. And, and listen, dude, we haven't even prayed that prayer in 30 years. I mean, that dream is over. And now you show up. I mean, you show up. Listen, I don't, I don't want to tell you about, you know, how this works with having babies, but you're too late. You're about 30 years too late. You know what? You know what, Gabriel? It would have been nice if God would have heard me 40 years ago. In fact, I've been wondering why nothing ever happened. And now you show up and you're telling me that now God has heard the prayer. Dude, you're too late. You missed the opportunity. That dream is over. My wife and I, we have moved on. Verse 19, the angel said to him, so the angel doubles down here. He says, I'm Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. The angel goes, bro, I don't think you know who you're talking to. 
because I talk to God. I, I'm repping God in this conversation. In fact, God's the one who sent me. And I'm telling you, whether you believe it or not, that you are going to have a child and you're going to call him John. And now the little bit of church discipline here, verse 20. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed times. So now this is interesting because just a couple of verses later, this angel is also going to appear to Mary and tell Mary that she will, you know, she's going to birth the son of God. And so, and Mary is gonna ask a very similar question, but not exactly the same, because when Mary responds to the angel, Mary will say, how can this happen? But Zachariah says, how can I be sure this will happen? Zachariah knows God exists, but I think because of the unanswered prayer for so many years, he isn't quite sure if he can trust God. I think he's got questions about the goodness of God and the greatness of God, because in his life, the timing of God seemed to be off. Zachariah is looking at Gabriel and he's going, where you been? We have been faithful. We have, we have obeyed God, we have followed God and we prayed the prayers. I mean, my wife and I were weeping for a child. And now you show up, now you decide it's the right time, I'm old and my wife is old. And I mean, how's this going to work? I mean, I can just imagine Zachariah, he's just running his mouth, complaining. At least I hope he is. I mean, I just, you know, he's just doing all that. And right in the middle of it, Gabriel just looks at him and he goes, shut your mouth. It's like a parent, you know, stop talking. And in a moment, he cannot talk. Now this is interesting because you have this whole episode that's happening in the temple. Don't forget, there are thousands of people outside. They're all waiting for Zachariah to come out. And look at this, verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. I mean, they're thinking, is that dude okay? And when he came out, he could not speak to them and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. Now, don't forget this. These stories are real people. They're just like you and me. You would imagine Zachariah walking in, like the biggest moment of his life, walking into the Holy Temple. He meets an angel. Angel tells him he's going to have a kid in his old age. He doesn't believe him, questions the angel. Angel doubles down, says, all right, you didn't believe. Now you won't be able to speak. Walks out, can't say anything. Now he has to go home. He has finished his duties, he goes home. Now, how does that husband, think about this. How do you tell this story to your wife? You can't even talk and you gotta go home and you somehow have to gesture to your bride, listen, we need to make out because we need to have a baby. Apparently we're having a baby. I mean, imagine that discussion. I mean, he's old, she's old, and he's going somehow, you know, through murmuring or, or whatever, saying, I, I, I bumped into this angel and he said we're having a baby. I know it's crazy and I question, but he can't even use his words. And yet somehow they figure it out. Verse 24, and after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Look what she said, verse 25. The Lord has done this for me. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. If you would bump into Elizabeth and you'd say, hey, tell me the story. 
you're old and, and I see you're pregnant. How did this happen? Here's what she would say. God did it. God did it. I know it doesn't make sense. I know, you know, from an earthly standpoint, it would have been better to have this kid a, a long time in the past. But if you're asking how I got pregnant, God did it. God did it. When the angel's talking to Mary a few verses later in verse uh, 36, the angel kind of uses this story with Elizabeth to encourage Mary. And he says something like this. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son as old as she is? Everyone called her barren, but she's six months pregnant. Mary, because you see, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. It's one thing to believe in God. It's a whole other thing to believe God. It's one thing to believe in the existence of God. It's another thing to receive his words and his direction and his timing in your life. And see, here's what I think. I think there's a lot of people listening right now who would say something like this, Matt, you don't know my story because when I needed God to do something for me, when I was at the end of my robe, when I needed him to show up, he did nothing. So I'm asking you, pastor, why should I trust God? Why trust him? Look at this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Easy to read, hard to live out. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Even when it doesn't make sense, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. See, you may not be able to tell the story from your point of view. It's never going to all make sense. There's just some things in this life you will never understand the why. In fact, I think Zachariah and Elizabeth, even in the midst of her being pregnant, still don't understand why it took so long. They don't know. They will never get the why. But look at this, verse six, when you trust God with all of your heart and all your ways, submit to him. If you give him your whole life, if you trust him, not just with some, but with everything, here's the promise. He will make your paths straight. Trust is the way forward. And not just with trust in some areas, but trust in all areas. And here's the thing. I'm not some naive pastor up here talking about, you know, if you just follow God, your life's going to be all kicks and giggles. Friends, I'm very aware of the difficulties of life. I'm very aware that in this room and over at Niwa and online, there are a lot of people going through some of the most difficult days of their life as we get close to Christmas. And while a lot of us are waiting for Christmas with great excitement, there are some of you that are dreading it. I get it. Luke, he gets it. He doesn't start out with this Christmas story going, everything is wonderful. No, 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 no. He starts out talking about the dark days in the history of Israel, talking about a couple who's been praying for a baby their whole life and it didn't happen until this one day when it didn't make sense. See, some of you are in the midst of significant pain and hurt. You've experienced heartbreak. And you're asking God the same question. God, where are you? Israel as a nation is going, God, where are you? It's been 400 years and God says, trust me. God, we've been praying for a baby for 50 years and God says, trust me. Trust me. God, what are you doing? Trust me. I thought this would have been answered by now. Trust me, 
Trust me. Trust me. I've been there. If you've been around here, you know my story. When I was 12 years old, my, my dad passed away. I actually, that year, I, I got baptized that summer. And three months later, after I was baptized, after I made my public profession of faith, my dad passed away while mowing the lawn. And I walked away from God because I said, this is what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. And I want nothing to do with Jesus. I trusted him with my life. And this is what you get in return. And I can remember that first Christmas, just two months after he passed away. It was the roughest Christmas I've ever experienced because I can remember vividly moments through that Christmas season. I, I can remember this one moment. I'll never forget it. I was standing in the living room of my home and I remember my sister who was four years old at the time in her bedroom crying, asking my mom where her father was. And I was so angry with God. I remember saying things like, God, if, if you're real, then what is this? You go to church and you hear stories about how God loves you and God is with you. If that's true, then where are you? Because it seems to me like you're pretty silent. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not, you have mo we all have moments like that. We just don't understand the why. We don't get what's happening. We don't understand the timetable. And here's what I've learned, because clearly I, I don't hate God, <laughs> I'm a pastor. Somewhere along the way, here's what I learned, that there was a trap I had fallen into because I had associated my pain with God's absence, but friends, it's not true because God is working in your waiting. He's working in your pain. He's working in your hurts and your discomfort. In fact, here's what I realized, that your pain is the very reason why Jesus came down into this mess. Christmas exists. The story of God sending his son to this earth happened because God saw your pain and he wasn't good with it. He wasn't gonna leave you in that condition. And so he called his son, for, you know, calling him from the comforts of heaven to come down into our mess. Why? Because he knew you needed it and I needed it. Because in this life, we would have trouble. He looked at you and he said, you are worth it. And somewhere along the way, I just stopped asking God, what are you doing? And instead begin to find hope and thinking about what he's already done. It's the beauty of the story of Christmas. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's what gives you hope that you might be able to get to a place in your faith, even in the midst of extreme hardship to say something like this, I'm grieving, but I'm growing. I'm grieving. This is not easy. This is not how I thought it was going to be. We've been asking God for 50 years and he hasn't given us a child. I'm grieving, but I'm trusting that God is working. So I'm growing. You know, imagine your faith when people come to you and go, why would you follow of God who you have prayed for 50 years for a kid and he hasn't answered it? And your response is, because I trust him. Not just with some of my life, but all of my life. I trust him. Incredible faith. I'm grieving, but I'm growing. And here's what I've learned that my pain and your pain, friends, this is our platform. It's to endure hardship. Philippians 4.13, I have endured all things. I keep moving forward. 
because I trust God. It's the very reason why we're talking about Jesus 2000 years after he came to this earth. Why? Because he just lived a good life? No, because his pain became his platform. We talk about him because 33 years after he came to this earth, he was crucified on a cross. That's why he's famous. Because he did something that's hard to explain. And then three days later, came back from the dead and a bunch of people saw it. And the world's never been the same. He got his platform because he was crucified. And whatever you're going through, you won't be the last person who goes through it. And if you will trust God in the good, but also in the difficult, that on the other side of it, God will use you to encourage somebody else not to give up. I don't understand, you may never understand. I don't get God's timing. If you did, you wouldn't need a God. I wish it would be different, join the club. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? It's easy to believe in God. It's difficult to believe God. Christmas is a reminder of something that all of us need to hear. God has not left you. Christmas is a story of God coming to you and promising to be with you in the midst of whatever you're going through. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us and will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Friends, all hope is not lost. There is pain, there is hurt, there is discomfort, there are challenges. But hope is not lost. Because 2,000 years ago, in the town of David, a savior was born and his name was Jesus. You know what's cool? That before that story, there's a couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth, who did it all right. And yet in the midst of one of their deepest and heartfelt prayers, God did not answer in the timing in which it would have made sense. But yet God still showed up and they trusted him. And John, who might be the most underplayed character in the New Testament, John, this little baby will grow up and he will begin preaching and preparing the way for Jesus's earthly ministry. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? We're gonna take communion together. You can go ahead and grab your communion packets out and here be my prayer for you uh, this morning. That as we take communion, if you're a follower of Jesus, again, it's easy to believe in God. It's a whole nother thing to believe God. And as we take communion, the reason why I believe that Jesus is trustworthy is because 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross. See, God just didn't say that he loves you. He demonstrated his love for you through the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And in just a moment, after I pray, as you take communion, I pray that you may challenge yourself to search your heart, to see if there's any place in your life where you are not trusting God, any hurt, any pain, any difficulty that you have not been willing to give to him.
after we do that, we're gonna start baptizing some folks. And here's the thing, I don't know where you are in your journey of faith, but here's what I know, God loves you and he died for you. And it's because of that truth, I think, I know it's risky. I know it can be confusing. I know that many of you who don't know Jesus have a lot of questions about who he is and a lot of why questions, just like I had growing up. But here's the thing, at some point in your life, all of us have to answer this question, where are you going to put your trust? And you can put it in yourself, you can put it in somebody else or a circumstance or a situation. But friends, I'm telling you, there's only one place where you can put it that it'll actually begin to allow you to make sense of some of the things of this life. And that is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I don't understand everything. And I've been a follower of Jesus for over 20 years and I still have questions. But here's what I know, you can trust him. He has kept his promises. He has remembered you and he is with you in all things because the story of Christmas proves it to be true. And I wanna encourage you that today could be a big step for you. You can walk over to the side of our auditoriums and say, you know what? I like to take a step of faith. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I, I know I need the gift that he has given to me on the cross. So I repent of my sins and I'm gonna be baptized. And this church will fully support you and cheer you on. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for a story that happened 2000 years ago about a couple who loved you and yet didn't get all the answers to their whys but they trusted you. And I pray that we may do the same. That this Christmas, in the midst of all the unanswered prayers and the questions and the fears and the anxieties, that we would trust you with all of them. We trust your words. We trust your timing. We trust that you're with us even when it doesn't feel like it. We trust that you hear us even when you don't respond. We trust you. We've given you our whole life. And I pray today that you would, in some way, make that truth known to anybody who have the ears to hear. We can trust you. Christmas has proved it to be true. Easter has proved it to be true. Encourage your church. Be with those who whose hearts are broken this morning in the midst of extreme pain and hardship, that we can rest knowing that you're with us. We love you. And we thank you for loving us way before we loved you. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.